0: This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. G'day and welcome to the Sea Eagles Community Corner podcast, hosted by Sea Eagles General Manager of Community, Kelly Petrovich, along with Justine Gordon, CEO of the Burdekin Association. Based here on the northern beaches, the Burdekin Association is a proud community partner of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Each week, Kelly and Justine will be joined by different guests covering some amazing things happening in the community. The Sea Eagles Community Corner podcast is proudly presented by Sea Eagles major partner, URM. Now, over to Kelly and Justine.
1: Welcome to the Sea Eagles Community Corner. Justine, thanks for joining me again today. We're also joined for a second episode with uh, John Bonacera, who is also known as JB. He's our general manager of football at the Sea Eagles.
2: So it's Justine here. Last episode, we explored what the playing bubble was like during the lockdown, The what happened leading up to the lockdown, what the players were up to during those, those five weeks where nobody was really allowed to go anywhere how the coaching team really developed the strategies uh, to support the players uh, in that in that lockdown period, and then moving towards training, you know, coming back to training and, and how that looked and, and, you know, developing the protocols and systems around keeping the, you know, the safe zone and all that kind of stuff, which sounds absolutely huge. And today's episode, we're going to look at the players actually returning to playing games and then uh, the community coming back to games.
1: So COVID has made things pretty difficult. Um, I think all round, you know, not just for for the seagulls, but for for everybody that's been living through it over this period of time. Um, but I think it's also important to consider, you know, some of the good things that have come from this experience. In the last episode, we did sort of draw on the fact that I think we all, you know, society's been running at a hundred miles an hour, uh, and this was a really bit of an opportunity just to stop and take stock and reflect on some of those things that we've been doing, and life's been busy, but. Um, I guess, you know, for you guys, JB and the coaching staff and the players, I mean, you said earlier in the previous podcast that the guys really did benefit from having that downtime, but have they benefited from coming back? And I guess what has been some of the positive things that you've seen or some positive outcomes that have come from COVID since the guys have come back to training in terms of the fact that you are in this bubble and they don't have a lot of interaction and engagement with with the outside world. So. What are some of the positive things that you've seen that have come out of that?
3: Kel, um, as you alluded to in the intro there, like it has been an opportunity to take stock and to look at the methods by which we do things and, and what we do. Completely aside from from footy, a mate who runs his own business was talking to me about how he's adapted and he said, I don't even know what I was doing beforehand. He's based out of Hornsby and he has a lot of clients in the city. And he said, mate, I used to get in the car drive an hour to get there, get there half an hour before a meeting, then have a one hour meeting, pay $55 in parking and then drive home again. And he said, now I've got a meeting at nine o'clock. I I get on the Zoom at 8.55. The client prefers it, I prefer it. And we're still able to establish that strong and strength of rapport. And that's essentially what we've been able to do is just rethink, show trust. And I think being able to show trust uh, in a playing group And for the playing group in turn to trust the performance staff, and for the coaching staff to know that they're being delivered the right materials. They haven't got that face to face contact at the time, and we're saying, if you do this, you will be prepared. You just need to do what we're asking you, and you will come back in a good state. And when we've been back in and together, I think that trust has just developed further, and the familiarity with one another, the connectivity the regular touch points around the accountability of the apps and the things that we need to do. Um, You know, you can have a bit of a laugh about it. Some of the boys, you know, Taniella Paseca's got really big hands and he keeps pressing the wrong buttons on the app. So he triggers a COVID alarm and we joke with him that he needs an iPad for a phone so that he can stop pressing the wrong buttons. We just have a bit of a laugh about it. We try and stay positive. Uh, We appreciate that the broader part of society are also finding it difficult but it really is just about those relationships it's about having those corridor conversations and we're fortunate in that we're supported you know with the governance of the game and with the club itself that you know we've been able to do different things and probably another thing that we've done together more than ever before is eat whilst um, an athlete obviously needs a particularly good diet and needs to look after themselves given that we're not allowed to go to restaurants and cafes and things like that We've had more downtime together, so we've spent a bit of time and it's not been an urgent rush. It is sitting down and, and literally having a meal together. Those moments, uh, you can't buy them. We're fortunate in that we're able to do that and I have to thank the club for that because it's really helped.
2: I know JB, as a general community member, not having to live in any kind of bubble, I'm allowed now to, to go to work, to go out to restaurants, to go down the beach, to go to friends' places. I've got to abide by all of the, the kind of the, the restrictions that are, that are keeping me safe. But are the players allowed to do everything that I'm allowed to do? What are they allowed to do now?
3: So everything you just said, we can't do any of it. We're not allowed to the beach we're not allowed to play any external sport. We're not allowed to train outside the venue here or at home. We're not allowed to go to cafes or restaurants. Obviously, we practice social distancing the same as, every, as regular members of the community. We're only allowed to perform essential tasks. So uh, food shopping for those that have hair, haircuts. Obviously, that doesn't apply to me, Justine. The other thing that's probably quite pertinent and is a really difficult thing for families is no visitors. So no one in our home that doesn't already live in our household. And we have performed household assessments of every house that every person lives in within the bubble, every person that lives in those houses, what they do for a living, how old they are, their risk to their level of vulnerability to catch illness, et cetera. And people have had to make adjustments in their homes. For example, those that live with grandparents and things like that have had to make changes to facilitate that. Uh, And that's to protect their grandparents as much as it is to protect the player. So look, yeah, I won't lie it hasn't been easy and we certainly have our moments as I'm sure members of the regular community do too. You know, we try and support one another as best we can. And we did have a short period there where we were able to undertake a few simple tasks like cafes and things like that, but only with people from our household or with people from our bubble. And it was limited to a certain number, but unfortunately it was short-lived and we're back to the original conditions.
2: Yeah, I think I didn't realise how restricted the the group in the bubble now are and and I think the sacrifices that that you're all making to ensure the safety of the game that we can watch it on television, that we can come. I mean that that as a spectator as as having uh, family members that enjoy watching for them living, you know, in isolation, and, and they were bored, they were, you know, making just choices and decisions that weren't ideal to be able to see the game back on TV and to come if they're lucky. That's been huge. So the sacrifices that the players are continuing to make, which I can imagine, we, we did it for a short period of time, and, and it was getting really difficult, and they're still doing it. I mean, that's huge. So I, I think we've got to acknowledge the sacrifices that um they're all continuing to make so look you know thank you JB and, and please thank the entire bubble team that I that I think the community out here um you know I've had a lot of feedback a little, a little really positive stuff about being able to be at games and watch it you know we can kind of segue into that about about getting back and playing so as the bubble how did it feel playing that first game back with no fans
3: We played our last game before we broke in front of no crowds and that was against the Roosters and that was such a surreal feeling. There were two houses over the back of Leichhardt Oval. One had scaffolding set up and sold tickets on the balcony and the other one just had a regular balcony and you could actually hear every word they were saying during the game. There were particular moments in the game that still stick with me and like literally where you could hear the contact from a hit where you could actually hear the air escaping the person that was being hit. And uh, there was a particular tackle by Curtis Sirinen and another by Lachlan Croker that I recall vividly. And the sounds and the impacts, it was actually quite amazing to be there and to, to hear it echo around the grandstand, etc. Very different feeling. And then to return, I think it was about eight weeks in total, five weeks off and three weeks of preparation uh, against the Bulldogs at the Central Coast and that was a um, another experience in itself where we had no crowd members but I think we were mentally prepared for that on that occasion whereas the Roosters had just sort of happened in a, in a matter of days. Uh, I think it was round five against the Broncos, uh, the Central Coast, we were able to get a crowd, albeit very limited. It was lovely to have people present. We were fortunate on the day that we had Tevita Funa debuting. And we were able to give his family a number of tickets to attend. It was just, I don't know, for those that were there, you may recall, they were singing and it was amazing. Like really phenomenal. Makes me quite emotional talking about it. They were singing to him during the game and then post-game. And it was just a really lovely thing that, you know, if we had a full crowd there, it wouldn't have happened. So we can take some positivity out of that.
2: I know I was very fortunate to be at that first game. And as a spectator, it was really bizarre. It was quiet. I um, mean, you could hear yourself breathe and, and you could also yell out to a player. And I, you know, I suspect they could actually hear you. Do you think that was a helpful, a helpful or a hindrance?
3: I think the players are fairly conditioned these days, particularly those are used to the heckling from the crowds, et cetera. They can separate it and they're, they're pretty much in the moment. But you can hear things quite clearly from the bench. So that can be a funny experience. I'd say it probably doesn't have a direct impact on the people on the field, but off it, we might turn around and give you the eyes if we hear anything. But that slowly obviously changed, given that we had, you know, 150 odd people at that game and we've built up now to sort of 10 times that around 1500 to 2000 and being fortunate enough to play at home. So changing again and continuing to evolve.
1: So just on that, JB, from the 1st of July, we had the announcement from New South Wales government saying that we were obviously allowed to have more people come back to games and and crowds. So we were fortunate that we were able to to take the games back to to Lotto land. So, I mean, I guess throughout that period, me as a staff member was really just watching, you know, almost a bit from afar or from, you know, we were working from home, but we weren't as ingrained and involved as what you guys had been throughout this whole period of time. But Leading into that first home game back at Lotto Land against the Knights for round eight, getting the venue ready and, and all the things that we had to do in terms of ensuring that, you know, people that were coming into our venue were going to be safe that we are abiding by those protocols uh, from New South Wales Health. We make sure that everybody that's coming is safe. You know, there was a lot of work that went on behind the scenes to to ensure that uh, we were able to have, I think it was just over 2,000 people at that particular match. But what did it feel like for the players, um, you know, coming back, not only being back at Lotto Land, but I guess, you know, having that 2,000-odd people in the stadium, you know, that I think sounded a bit like 20,000 at the time. But um, yeah, how did it feel for the guys to come back to that?
3: I think firstly, Kel, I I want to follow up. You took the words right out of my mouth in respect of the work that goes into getting a crowd um, into the venue nowadays. The things that are put in place and the provisions and protocols, it really is an absolutely enormous workload. It's harder to put 2,000 people in a stadium at the moment than it is to put 20. And I think the fans and the members and, and listeners need to reference that. And that every person that walks in the gate for government regulations, we need to know their name and their contact details. We can contact them should the need arise and um, God forbid it won't. Firstly, from a player's perspective, they were enormously thankful to the work that the front office were doing, the membership team, game day management, because they know what was going into it and they know how hard the people uh, were working over in the head office to facilitate that opportunity. So that's the first thing, was appreciation. They really did appreciate the opportunity to play at home and in, in front of people. And secondly, whilst we were really disappointed not to get the chocolates against the Knights, it was a noticeable feeling of difference and uh, that feeling of being at home, uh, that feeling of being supported and being able to hear the crowd. You get excited. You You can actually, you can sense it. I certainly got goose pimples on a few occasions on the sideline when things were happening. And uh, we were then fortunate again to play two weeks later in front of the then competition leaders, Parramatta. And we managed to get over the top of them. And I'd say the crowd were largely responsible for the resilience that the players showed when when Parramatta were coming home.
1: I know not only from a player's perspective, from a a crowd perspective and and to have our loyal members have the opportunity to come and, and watch that game and experience that game. We live and work in this every day, so we probably forget sometimes just how important the game is to people and what it means for them. You know, when it was gone, you know, they were sort of lost without it. So now that it's back and having that opportunity for our fans and members to come back to the game, you know, it really meant a lot to them. So it's great the footy's back. And I think we just heard the halftime siren, Justine. So, JB, we're going to take a quick break. We've got a message from our sponsors, and then we'll pick this back up again in the second half.
0: The Manly Warringah Seagulls thank our major partner, United Resource Management, for their ongoing support. Season 2020 is URM's 24th consecutive year sponsoring the Seagulls, and they are also big supporters of communities right across Australia. The Sea Eagles also thank Premier Partners, Shore & Partners Financial Services, Lotto Land, and all corporate partners of the club. For a full list of Seagulls corporate partners, head to seagulls.com.au.
1: Okay, we're back for the second half now. We're speaking with JB, John Bonacera, who's our General Manager of Football at the Sea Eagles.
2: Right, JB, bit of humour here. Is there anyone in the bubble that you really wish you could kick out?
3: Probably not. I would imagine that most of the group would probably like me out at times. I'm the one who's always on them and at them about different things. And they're probably like, oh, just give us a break. Will ya? And as much as I would love to, unfortunately, the accountability doesn't switch off on Sundays. So it's seven days a week, but um, we all get a little bit tired of one another at different points, but that's no different to any other workplace or household. We do have our moments, but all in all, it's been pretty good. And, and the group has a solidarity that understands that, you know, everything that we're doing is necessary and we're really working hard together to, to keep moving forward and hopefully have a finals appearance in a couple of months time.
1: So JB, how are the players, I mean, Yes, they're back playing now. You know, they're dealing with being inside the bubble. They're restricted to go outside other than coming to work and and essential services that they need to go to and from. But I guess from a mental health perspective, in amongst all that too, training full-time, playing games, you know, we lost two games in a row. How do they pick themselves back up each week and, you know, keep coming to work with a positive mindset?
3: It's a good question, Kel. As I alluded to before we're all humans as well so we have days when we're really challenged and to turn up to work you know is a hard thing to do i think ultimately people that have reached uh, this level in their in their chosen vocation understand that there is a really high level of commitment and accountability to be in a professional sporting organization and so that's something that's already ingrained in them that they have a very competitive nature and and that they understand the environment that they're going into and for the newer players the adaptation into coming into a full-time environment comes from the culture of the group. So if you see the senior players and the ones who who have been here for 200 plus games and the way that they're preparing for a game and what they're doing in their own time and that they're doing their own recovery and taking icing machines home and stretching in front of the television and naturally you gravitate to doing those things yourself. And that's the group that we have here. Our senior playing group are really connected to, let's call it the kids that are having their first foray into an elite environment. So they have those regular touch points and just that capacity to have conversations. I think if you have a really robust culture and you have a lot of honesty around what you deliver day to day, it allows you to have the strength of those conversations and to be honest with one another. And people can say, listen, I'm having a really hard time around this, or I'm having a really hard time around that. And hopefully we can then put things in place to help support that person through that period. We're fortunate in that. We have wellbeing staff here. We have Matt Ballin, who is within our bubble. He's part of our coaching staff as well. And Matt obviously is no stranger to the listeners. Very well-renowned player for a number of years. So he understands the environment. He understands the pressures that the players are going through. He's well-educated in that wellbeing and support process. And he has support through Glenn Moore. Unfortunately, due to numbers here, we're not allowed to have Glenn within the bubble. But obviously he's available by telephone and by Zoom and he's working really hard, not only with the players in the bubble, with our junior squads that unfortunately are not together at the moment. And they're just as important in having those regular touch points, talking to them about continuing their education, talking to them about employment and making sure that in their own lives they're happy for their return to sport. And and when that comes, he helps with that preparedness as well. So really it's about that connectivity and just continuing to develop those relationships and having honest conversations. And I know myself, I've found myself having one-on-ones, you know, with individual members of the squad throughout this period that have been really fruitful. Things that I don't want to talk about here, but certainly it's proof that we're all human and that we all have frailties and we all feel the same way. But I just encourage people to find any support in people that they trust making sure that they're making contact with the people that they love and they know care about them. And if they've got anything that they want to discuss, just go to the person that you trust the most and make sure you don't sit on it.
1: I know Matt and Glenn do a fantastic job. I know there's also an external support that particularly works with our senior leadership group being John Novak, who is our mind coach talk us through a little bit about what John does for the playing group or particularly for that senior leadership group that really gives them some tools and strategies to share and implement amongst the the rest
3: of the squad. Yeah, John's been a really important part of the program here over the last couple of years. And I think potentially people may have seen an article written about him in the last couple of weeks in one of the major papers. And albeit that he's not in the bubble, um, we are having weekly Zoom conferences with John. You know, he's a breath of fresh air in terms of his positivity. And that's ultimately what he discusses, that everything that we do in our week and everything that we do day to day it's really a mindset it's about looking after yourself and your own mindset and being able to deliver not only on your own goals but on team goals and how that they they intertwine and he speaks with the leadership group as i said at the beginning of each week and you know gives them little uh, reminders and tools and as you spoke about kel is able to give them those tips that they can then obviously use themselves use with their families and and just as importantly with the other members of the squad So he's a really valuable member. I value him personally. We speak ourselves more regularly than the the weekly Zooms. And I know he's got clients outside of here as well that really value the work that he does. So we're fortunate in that regard. And for clinical issues or things that are beyond John's or our control, we are again very fortunate in having Benestar as a supporter of the NRL and we can reference individuals to a counsellor that's confidential and trustworthy and I can have a chat to them if the need arises.
2: So moving forward, how are the team feeling about the next few months of playing and the impact of you know, their social isolation? How's the vibe?
3: Justine, the vibe within the group is probably as good as it's ever been. Certainly in my time here, and I appreciate Manly has a very proud history and a long one before I arrived. But in the two seasons I've been here, I probably haven't seen it better. And that's credit, obviously, to every member of the whole organisation, not just those in the bubble, that things are moving along smoothly. I think in order to win a premiership, you need your fair share of luck. And we probably haven't had a great deal so far this season, but I think... Collectively we think things are turning. We're doing everything we can to make our own luck as well and leaving no stone unturned. And I think the nucleus of what we have here is that we can be competitive every week, that we feel confident that against any opposition that we can really get into the arm wrestle and make them earn a win if that's what they're gonna do and they're gonna have to be there to beat us.
2: Thinking into the future, don't know how far into the future, but when COVID is no longer part of our vocabulary, it's completely kind of over. What do you think at Manly Seagulls is going to be kept? You've done a lot of new things that have had to happen. You've had no choice in. But what are some good practical things that you're doing now because of COVID that you're actually thinking, do you know what? They've actually been a good thing and we're going to keep those. Is there anything?
3: As I alluded to before, I think having some downtime together where you're not at training or you're not desperately looking to go to a weight session or move to another venue or having a quick feed before you go and do recovery whatever it might be, those opportunities just to be and to be together in each other's company. So we've got a table tennis table. We've got a a pool table. As I said, we've been fortunate in the club supporting us by having some meals together, which have been really nice just to have some downtime and a chat and we don't often get that. It tends to be rush, rush, rush. So those things, I think we will definitely keep. I think the other thing that has probably come of it, and it's more on an individual level, is that everybody understands their piece of the puzzle, and they understand how important they are to the overarching goals of the group, and that if they're not holding up their end of the bargain, it can easily let everybody down. And I think that awareness is something that's really important in a professional sporting environment because it, only, it does only take, you know, one small thing to go wrong and it can offset everything. I know that the group shares that accountability and wears it, you know, together as a positive, not as something that's hanging or a weight on top of you. It's a real positive that they know that they're an active member of the group and that they're valued and that what they contribute is just as important as what I or anybody else do and we all need to have our hand in to make things work.
2: I think in my career, there's been, you know, crucial moments in my work that have made me grow up or mature or have been really kind of insightful moments that I've really gained a lot from. Do you see maybe some of the younger players really taking responsibility and ownership and that, yeah, each person's behaviour is equally important as what DCE does? You know, it's the same and they're valued the same. Do you think that's kind of helped them?
3: Without a doubt. That's been evident from the word go and people, again, might, might forget some of the guys that are in this group are straight out of school. You know, they're, they're boys. They're, they're like your sons and daughters at home that have potentially just finished, you know, year 10, year 11, year 12 and are looking for other opportunities in life. They have been fortunate in that they've got an opportunity to do this as their vocation, but they've had to come along really quickly to facilitate that and the level of accountability. And I often say to players that are coming into their first foray into an elite environment, unfortunately, if you want to be in inverted commas, a normal 19 year old, this is not the environment for you because you can't be, you can't do both. And maybe COVID has been a positive in that respect because these boys have been forced into a level of professionalism but they now understand and understand more quickly how important it is that they're doing the right things because the opportunities come about with the click of the fingers and all of a sudden you're making a debut.
1: JB, that's our full-time sirens just gone. So thank you so much for joining us today. As I said earlier, you are the glue that holds the football department together. You do an amazing job and I know how busy you are. So thank you so much for taking the time to give us some really great insights. So we'll end it there today, but good luck for the weekend.
3: Thanks very much for having me,
0: guys. This has been the Seagulls Community Corner Podcast presented by Seagulls Major Partner URM and recorded in the studios of Manly Media Partner ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Seagulls on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Seagulls Podcast Channel series, head to seagulls.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Seagulls official podcast channel.